who is the target and that, that who's important, I'm emphasizing who there. And typically that comes down to figuring out, you know, their demographics, what industry are they in, what titles do they have, you know, those sort of things. But next we've got to figure out what do they want? And that's going to be a huge focus today is the what. What are they looking for? Are they looking for expertise? Are they looking for quality? Are they looking for variety, customer service, price, location, you know, time frame? You know, what is the biggest thing they're looking for? And if we can figure out the what, that helps us restructure our marketing to deliver messaging that speaks to that what. Thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, the founder and your host for Hardwired for Growth, a podcast where we strive to help early stage entrepreneurs and business owners not only grow their businesses, but scale them. We do this by having conversations with industry experts and the founders who have successfully scaled their own businesses. Each episode will provide actionable strategies and tactics. The voice you heard a few minutes ago is that of Brandon Mateka. Brandon is our first repeat guest on the program. If you recall, Brandon was a guest on episode three and actually our second guest where we did a deep dive on product market fit. To this day, this is still one of our most referenced episodes. So if you haven't listened to it, please do go back and check it out. This time I had Brandon on to talk about an equally important topic for a business of any size, but especially for startups and especially if your business and revenue is stuck competitive analysis. Brandon not only walks us through the why and the what of competitive analysis, but also does a deep dive on the process he uses with his clients. Make sure you have something to take notes as you listen. If your business is stuck or if you're looking to start a business, this exercise is critical. I think you will get a lot of value out of this. Key lessons we cover today, competitive analysis will drive your messaging, positioning, in many cases your offering, or at least it should. Brandon identifies 13 key variables you need to measure against customer importance and competitive strength and know how to use this as a differentiator and how this three to four hour time investment can get your business unstuck and positioned for high growth. Before I take you to the intro, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you subscribe and share the podcast on iTunes and other podcast platforms so we can continue to get the message out. Also, please make sure to check out the new free resources page on brettrainer.com forward slash resources for downloads, promos, and to sign up for my new weekly newsletter, where I provide a curated list of the best articles and videos that I read or saw the previous week. Now, on to the intro. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth a podcast dedicated to helping early stage entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies and tactics. Here's your host, Brett Trainer. I started marketing when I was 16. So, you know, now I'm close to turning 30. All I've ever done in my working career is marketing. So I, I started with the basics of graphic design, web design, and then I moved into management, moved into strategy. And It came down to one moment to where my uncle started working with the company and he was like, Hey, you know, I'm not sure I'm getting what I need from them. Can you look it over? And I looked at what this marketing company was doing and what they were suggesting, what they're recommending. And it was just an outrageously priced project. And what they're pretty much going to deliver was like a 12 page website. And it was going to cost like $50,000. Wow. And I just, I, it just, oh, it made me so angry and it made me so mad. 
And it was, there's no research behind it. There's no market analysis behind it. There's no competitive analysis behind it. And I just said, that's it. I could do better. So he ended up being my first project. Oh, interesting. So like, you were solving a problem, not necessarily yeah. in your, for you, but you know, a family member in this case, which that's right, which is awesome. So starting at, and I was going to let that go, but starting at 16, was that kind of a, uh, you know, use a buzzword, a side hustle for you? What were you doing at 16 with sales and marketing? So my dad's company needed help with social media. Okay. And it was a natural, hey, I can help. Like I'm young. I know how to do social media. Like it's, like it was kind of a new thing back then. And I loved it. It's one of those things to where it just clicked. I got it. I, I, I get it. It makes sense to me. I love the activity. I love design. And it was a way for me to, you know, think strategically, tactically, and also use my creative side. And as soon as I started, I couldn't stop. So from there, I, I never left. So I started full-time, 16, and I've been doing it every day since. That's awesome. So not yeah. only can you help people with the expertise, you know, you've kind of walked the walk and you can back up the talk, right? With, you know, you've, you've done it for yourself and full disclosure, you've done some work with me, which was fantastic. And that's how we kind of started the relationship. And, you know, the one thing that you had mentioned, you know, that this other company didn't do, which was some of the market research and intelligence. And, you know, if I take folks back to our our first episode, we spent a lot of time on understanding, you know, the product market fit or problem market fit Mm -hmm. or you know, you know, what was the highest level? What problem were you solving for the customer? And, you know, how are you doing it differently? And, you know, to this day, it's still one of the most referred to episodes just because I think of the value and the importance of doing it and how many companies actually don't do it. That's right. So this is the perfect segue into our topic today, which is one, why don't you, you give the folks just kind of a brief overview of, you know, the product market fit. But then I really want to dive into the competitive analysis and the, the process that you, you have for that. If you're good with that, why don't, we, we, why don't we go that way? Yeah. So product market fit, it all comes down to, so marketing comes down to proving something. You have to have something you can prove to a buyer, but you have to know what to prove to them. So it takes a lot of, you know, okay, who are the people we're trying to reach out to? Who is the target? And that, that who's important, I'm emphasizing who there. And typically that comes down to figuring out, you know, their demographics, what industry are they in, what titles do they have, you know, those sort of things. But next we got to figure out what do they want? And that's going to be a huge focus today is the what. What are they looking for? Are they looking for expertise? Are they looking for quality? Are they looking for variety? Customer service? Price? Location? Time frame? What is the biggest thing they're looking for? And if we can figure out the what... That helps us restructure our marketing to deliver messaging that speaks to that what, right? right? So after the what, we have where. So where are they looking? That's also going to be a huge component of today is we have to figure out, okay, if we know what they want, if we know where they're going to look, we can be there. We can have the right messages. We can have the right content. Our messaging and our website can show up first on Google, all those things. And the next thing after that is, Really, the you know, where, what, when, you know, when do they want it, and the why. That's the biggest thing today is we're going to figure out the why. Why would somebody work with you versus your competitors? Why? Yeah, this is yeah. the first time a lot of companies have ever really looked at themselves objectively. You know, why would someone work with me? You know, am I really that special? 
am I really that unique? And again, this process can be extremely jarring for a lot of business companies or a lot of owners because this is the first time they've ever looked at themselves objectively in comparison to a competitor. So. Which, which to your point, I think is you know, back to the, the fundamentals of, of why you're doing it. And one of the things I've been you know, debating you know, with some of the stuff I'm doing in my practice is, right, it, it, history tells us, you know, start with product market fit if you're going to look at it, you know, what are the problems you're solving for the customer, et cetera. But, you know, after we got deeper into the discussion on the competitive analysis and what is your competition doing, including, right, do nothing. You know, it's almost like you have to go then back into the product market fit and validate, right, where you yeah. fit. So I, I I don't want to fast forward too far, but you know, that's one of the things I've been thinking about too is you know, I always had the product market fit first, which makes sense. But there's probably another step after the work you're talking about that goes back and validates that where you fit in that spectrum, there's still a big enough market and you can effectively compete into that space. So I'll, I'll table that for later because I do want to get into, you know, you started to touch on the why is this important for founders and business owners? And then second, how do you start? Where do you start with this type of process? So where do you start? Typically, what if you ever Google this or talk to people, they're going to say, you know, get an Excel file and list out all the competitors you can find. And that process, even that process is jarring. So actually, I should probably start with a disclaimer. If you're afraid of change, if you're afraid of looking at yourself objectively, stop listening now. Because <laughs> there's no way you can go through this process and not change. There's just, and, there isn't. And not look at your business differently than maybe you, you were, right, 24 hours ago. That, that's right. That's right. So the first part is when you're looking at competitors, I always say, you know, hey, find as many as you can. But the biggest value you're going to get out of this is really just doing the competitive analysis. So you could go through, you know, you could pull a couple thousand, but after, you know, top 50, it's first to lose value. You might not be getting the return on investment in your time. So typically the first part is figuring out who are your primary competitors. So think about if you're designing trucks, like you're making pickup trucks, you're going to have direct competitors who are also making other pickup trucks. And then you're going to have people who are making cars. You know, that's kind of a direct competitor, but it's, it's really not. And then you have people who make motorcycles and they're kind of a substitute. Those are all still competitors. You know, someone looking for transportation from A to B, that's what they want is transportation from A to B. But it's up to you to tell, convince them that their needs are, they need a bed of a truck to carry something versus a car or a motorcycle. So you could really get really deep into finding competitors. You know, you could have a couple hundred really quickly. Again, you should know those things. You should document those things. But what really comes down to it is who are your direct competitors and how do you stand out from them? So would so you we, almost refer that, sorry, I mean, it kind of like your niche, right? So you're, you're in the transportation business, but right. you're not going to be all things to all people. So in the case right. of the pickup truck, I'm in the business of helping you know customers get from point A to point B while hauling stuff. So the more specific you can get, the better this analysis is going to be. Is that fair? That's right. Okay. That's right. And sometimes you know some people can have difficulty with that. And actually, ideally, most business owners they have they already have their competitors in mind. They'll always have you know five to ten that they can look, rattle off right away. And typically, what I have to do is I have to challenge them. Google what you think 
your target market is Googling, where are they looking? Who comes up first? And whoever comes up in front of you is a competitor, even if it is a substitute product. So it can, it's interesting. Yeah. The pond could get big real quick. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way, but if you Google something and there's different search results, which means you, the problem you thought you were solving may not be the one you're solving, or it's not getting through the noise of your customer because they're completely coming up with something different. So again, I don't want to cloudy the thing, but that's part of the messaging. And I think you're going to get into some of the differentiation. So interesting. Okay. So once we have kind of a list generated, kind of, you know, you're kind of figuring it out. It Again, this typically leads to panic a little bit, right? So I hope at this point, most business owners, they have their small, they have their world, their ecosystem they live in. They know who their competitors are. As soon as they start compiling a list, they realize there's a lot more out there. Again, the, the pond's big. And that's when they start really asking the question, okay, am I really that special? You know, was I really the first in the market with this idea, et cetera? But typically after that quickly comes the acceptance step of, okay, now I know where I sit and who I'm up against. And this is that what really drives innovation. So the next process is us figuring out how can we be better than what's out there? How can we innovate to be something unique? So this process, it should drive innovation in your company. It should innovation make you better. Innovation or differentiation, or do you distinguish between the two? I'd say both. Okay. I both. So this process that we're going to walk through today, I've had companies go from a product-based company where they're selling products to being a service-based business. And this kind of goes to your comment before, is they found that there is a spot in the market where there was no services for all these products. You know, think about it like a software industry. You have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of softwares, you know, SaaS markets coming in and businesses coming in and hitting the market. And they realize, well, if we just become an expert at training people how to use all these things and teaching them fundamentals, maybe we could hit the market with a new direction. So they went from selling SaaS-based products to becoming a service-based company who taught people how to use them correctly. And the biggest thing is a lot of people look, figure out how to become a kind of just a new brand. They look and they're like, wow, our logo looks outdated. Our, our colors don't look that great. Our website looks horrible. And it creates this whole rebranding project. So, Which would make sense to realign with the message and the differentiation right. and the innovation. And, you know, before you get into kind of what the process looks like, I'm curious as to, you know, what are some of the, why are certain businesses now, you know, working with you? Because I'm guessing a lot of them aren't proactive and saying, hey, we're looking to the future. Can you help us look at it? I'm guessing there's a stall of growth, a revenue breakdown. What are some of the reasons why that people are like I said, starting to look at this process. And then I guess in the bigger picture, even if business is growing, why does it make sense for companies to, to go through this exercise today? It's typically a stall or they aren't seeing the results they expected. Okay. I've done this process you know, a couple dozen, maybe three dozen times. And every single time it was because they had these objectives in place and they were nowhere near meeting them. Okay. Even when they thought they had just the most fantastic product. And quite honestly, a lot of time I come in, I'm like, wow, this is a great product. Why isn't it selling? And then you do this competitive analysis and it makes perfect sense. Interesting. It's like, oh, well, this, there's tons of products like this already. We just didn't know yet. So yeah, it's, they're not hitting the numbers. Okay. They're not making sales. They're not growing. 
or if you're not optimized to where you need to be, this is, again, I think this exercise isn't just for startups or small businesses. I, I would think there's some major brands, which we're not going to get into for this show, that would benefit greatly from, from doing this type of analysis that, you know, once you get too big, it's, you know, the ship sailed, right? It's hard. But I think that's where the competitive advantage comes in for some smaller companies that, you know, don't be scared of this process, but look to be, get better and take advantage of the opportunity. That's right. Uh, think about it like every bit of research you collect, you're putting money in your pocket because it's more information that you didn't have prior that now you can use strategically for your business. Now, this is something that can it can literally make the difference on not hitting your numbers to hitting your numbers. It could explain why. It, it can just it can make everything just easy, make sense, give you a clear direction forward. This step here can give your marketing exactly what it needs to be productive instead of busy. So I know I put a lot of hype into this, but this step is huge. You just, you can't miss it. You got to do it. Well, and it ties right when this, the, the modern buyer, right. That messaging has got to be aligned from engagement to post-sale. And if it's not, you used to be able to get away with that. Not so much anymore. So not even just marketing, but marketing sales, onboarding, post-sale, you know, depending on how big your company is, it could be the same team. But, you know, the fact is, if you want to grow your business, you've got to take care of this. You've got to make this, um, the effort on this, this process. So, all right. So with, with that being said, I think we've definitely got the the sense of urgency and and why this is a, a critical. So what's, what's the best way to, what, without giving away your all of your detailed processes, what's, you know, what is your approach and how should business owners be thinking about this? So we're going to start with the first thing we're going to try and do is try to understand how a company is just doing and or how your competitors objectively are they, are they better than you? Right. So the, the first few questions are kind of looking at a company, like what are they trying to achieve? How many locations do they have? How many have they added recently? Are they hiring? What kind of titles are they hiring for? Does that tell us anything? Have they rebranded recently? Uh, Have they added new products and services? You know, this tells us how proactive a competitor is. If they've just rebranded, there's a chance they're also trying to change their place in the market, or they're also trying to, you know, add more value. If they're hiring for more engineers, or they're hiring for more salespeople, they're hiring for office staff. It's a really good chance they're growing. Maybe there's something we can learn from them. Maybe even marketing-wise, what are they doing? What channels are they in? Where are they advertising? They're adding locations. They must be doing good. They're doing something right. And why did they pick the locations they did? Is there something they know that we don't? Right. So there's certain things you got to like really look at a company and go, what are they doing? And does that mean they're doing things well? And after that, you got to kind of ask yourself. Where are they spending money? Can we figure it out? You know, do we see them using you know, Google AdWords? You know, what ads do they show up for? You know, how up-to-date are their marketing materials? You know, are they constantly writing new blogs? Are they posting on social media? How frequently? What kind of content? What seems to be popular? Right? These are a lot of questions. There are a lot of things you got to go and look at them and go, objectively, what are they doing and how are they doing it? Okay, this leads us to the hard part. This is the most important part today or for this step here is figuring out what are their capabilities. So what I need you to do is if you're at home, 
I want you to pick one competitor. I want you to think of that competitor, have them in your mind. And I want you to ask, can this competitor hire more people than me? Yes or no? Can they gather more cash flow? Can they outpromote me? If they have more cash flow, they could probably outpromote you. Yes or no? Can they produce more products than me? Yes or no? Can they provide better services than me? Yes or no? Can they offer better customer service than I can? Yes or no? Can they build a better brain experience than I can? Yes or no? Can they offer a higher value, lower price product than me? Yes or no? So if you did that and you're getting a whole lot of yeses, they're capable of doing a lot more than me. That tells us we shouldn't say the same marketing messages that they're saying. So I want to clarify, a lot of marketing is claiming you're the best at something. You know, you're your number one right. or your number two. If someone can outpromote you, they have more cash flow, or they can build more products than you or build more services than you. They're just a bigger company. And they're already saying they're, they're providing the highest quality product. You probably shouldn't piggyback behind them and saying, you know what? We also provide the highest quality product. Because if it ever comes to out-promotion, they'll likely always beat you. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think if, right, if I'm just as good, it, it, I think you and I have had this conversation about, you know, how do you define what's better, right? You're not going to be able to define better unless it's like a magnitude of 10x or, or something. So if you're not, I think this is where you're starting to go to, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing is, you know, changing the conversation, right? If you can't compete head to head with the dollars, the resources, the quality, whatever it may be, then kind of step two. Well, let me, before you go to step two, step one is if I am kind of the market leader in that place, do you double down on kind of that messaging? Or I'm guessing rarely do you find somebody that that's the market leader because they probably aren't calling you. <laughs> that's right. Okay. So, right. so let's assume that we're not the market leader. We don't have maybe all the resources. Now, you know, what do we do next? You're like, you probably got that old crap moment that, okay, what you said in the beginning, if you're going to go through this exercise, you know, it could be scary. So now you're at this realization. What's, you know, what, what are you thinking about next? So this is, this is now we just held up a mirror, right? Now you're looking at your, your company objectively. You're going, okay, all right. So these guys, they're capable of doing a lot of things. Okay, that should give you now the urgency to now find out what is your unique message. You know, that, that should be really driving the whole now. Okay, I need to find my place in the market, which is why you know, doing this more and more, doing it for more competitors, you know, doing it five, 10 times is going to help you really figure out your place. You know, what, how are we truly unique? So after that part, we're going to go through and just list out, you know, if you're looking at this one competitor, same competitor, what is their biggest, we call it a competitive advantage, right? What is the one thing they have that most companies don't? Is that the same as us? You know, is this close to us? Is there a competitive advantage? Is it better? Are they marketing it better? That kind of thing. And the next thing is to figure out who are they really targeting? So there's a lot of companies out there that you'll do this for. They will be bigger. They will have more capabilities, but they could be targeting a different group. Okay. Are, they, are they targeting a bigger group? And then you could come in and say, well, I'm more specialized. We still have the same level of quality as them, but instead of hitting you know, this huge industry 
we're going to be, you know, instead of hitting the huge construction industry, we're focused on just electricians. You know, we make this product just for electricians. It gives you an opportunity to specialize. So it's important to figure out, okay, who are these competitors really targeting? Makes sense. Okay. This leads to the biggest part of this entire thing. And that is figuring out, okay, the who, the target market you're trying to reach, the who, what do they want? So you should have done this already, but we're going to go through it again. So we're going to start asking ourselves, you know, picture your perfect client in your head. And I'll ask how important on a scale from one to 10, one being not important to 10 being really important. How important is expertise to your target market? Now ask yourself, how important is quality to my target market? Again, a scale from one to 10. How important is price? Are they looking, is price their main factor they're looking for? It's going to be a 10. If they're looking for high quality and price is not really a big issue, it's going to be closer to a one. How important is location? So if you're a location-based company, if you're local, like a mechanic, location is going to be closer to a 10. People want to bring their car as close to their house or the location. How important is a large selection? How important are discounts? Again, one to 10. How important is ease of use? How important is ease of purchase? Do they want to buy online? It's a 10, right? How important are warranties? Do they want a guarantee? How big of a warranty? Do they want a 10-year warranty? Five-year, three-year, one-year? How important is it? How important is packaging? Think about Starbucks, right? How important is customer service? And the hint, that's probably going to be a 10 for most of us. How important is time savings? Again, one to 10. Now, how important is brain appeal? Think again, Starbucks, Harley Davidson, Jeep. How important is brain appeal? These people want to feel like a different person when they're with your product, right? Okay, so that was... And this exercise is all from the customer's perspective, right? That's right. It's all about who is your ideal client. How important is it for them? Are each of these weighted equally or does it depend on the market and the customer type? And right now this exercise is just more about understanding really what's important to the customer and then then ranking them or does it No, nope, you got it. You got it. At this point, we're just trying to figure out, you know, what do they really want? How important is it? And this is gonna you're probably already people are probably already connecting the dots. The next step is now we're gonna look at our competitors. And we're going to ask ourselves, how well are their competitors proving that they can reach these variables, right? So if your target market wants expertise and you look at your competitors and your competitors have podcasts, webinars, speaking events, blogs, articles, press releases, you know, feature videos, case studies. I mean, just think about, those are all proving expertise. Right. Those are all things that they're doing to prove expertise. So if your your target market wants a ten out of you know ten, highly important, they want expertise, and your competitors are doing nothing but flood the market with expertise marketing material. Yeah, they're going to beat you. They're just they're going to win because they've proven to your target market that they're a higher or better expert than you. 
it's enough to where some people won't even call you because if they looked at your website and they looked at theirs, it's a slam dunk. If your competition has more expertise material than you, they've proven it. They're going to warrant a phone call before you. And this is that part where most business owners are going to get really feisty. They're going to go, this is, I never realized this. I never looked at it this way. It's going to change. I'm changing tomorrow. You know, they get fired up and now their marketing makes sense because now they know, okay, we need to prove our expertise claim. So now we need to start making more case studies. We need to start doing more podcasts. We need to start doing more webinars on the subjects that are important to our target market to compete with that company, right? It suddenly now makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And I'm even thinking back some of the variables that you had shared and I'll put these in the show notes as well, because I think it's important to, to understand the different data points that you're competing against. And you may find, you know, that location is very important to your customer and you're in rural, you know, not in the markets where it's important to them and it's more of a fight. So, yeah, I think again, this, this makes a lot of sense. And I think you've touched on, you know, from the customer standpoint, what is your customer doing? Uh, are your competitor doing? So my guessing the third leg of this is, you know, an honest look at you as a company and your product, right? Yeah. So I'm going ahead and we'll just walk through this, you know, together. If you are listening at home, hopefully you have a pen and a paper in front of you because I really do want you to go through this exercise of, you know, looking at your competitors and saying, okay, on a scale from one to 10, how are they proving it? And I'll walk you through this and I kind of give you some tips. Okay. So expertise, how well are our competitors proving expertise? And let's go from one to 10. Again, look for things like blogs, podcasts, webinars, speaking events, social media activity, that those are all expertise claims or sharing information. Uh, think about quality. What would prove quality? Case studies do, testimonials do, customer reviews prove quality, especially if they're high star reviews. It proves a high quality product, very low defects, right? Next one's price. Again, if price is important, it all depends. Are they listing price? How low is the price? I don't get into a price war with somebody, right? I always tell people don't market on price. It's just a dangerous, dangerous cycle. But again, it's good to know. It's a race to the bottom. That's right. That's right. Location. Obviously, that's an easy one. Variety and selection. This could be you know, types of things. I think about like a clothing store. How many different types of clothing do they have? How many colors do we have? How many options do they have? How many sizes do they have, right? Discounts, again, how are they proving discounts? You know, is this something they put, you know, front and center? How are they using it? Ease of use. Do they have, you know, how-to centers? Do they have how-to guides? How are they proving ease of use? You know, they have videos showing how easy it is. You know, I always think of the, there's a payroll system, I think it's called Gusto, and they show their marketing video is they do payroll while they're cooking popcorn. Oh, okay. It's genius. <laughs> I've not seen that. Okay. Yeah. Because anybody who does payroll knows you cannot do it by the time you make popcorn. There's just no way, but they can, that's their claim, right? So I think it's one of those wonderful things. It's a way for them to just take the ease of use claim and push it to the max. Right. They are proving ease of use. Ease of purchase, if you're targeting millennials, they want to buy something now. They just do. That's that's okay. It tells us as marketers, we just got to make sure it's easy to buy. So if you have a product and you, 
they wanted to buy it online or have an online store, they want to schedule now, you should probably work on getting that if that's important to them. If they want to schedule things online, trust me, millennials don't want to call, or most don't. They're going to want to just schedule online. They want to do it now. So make sure that's a priority. After that, we have warranties. Again, is it marketed? Are they proving it? Are they listing it? Packaging. And this packaging kind of connects to the last one, is brand appeal. You know, how does, how does it look? How does it feel? What's the design quality? You could even look at their website. Is the website clean? Is it simple? Is it modern? Is it updated? Is it new? Customer service. A lot of people will make, they have the claim they have the best customer service in the industry. Right. Extremely hard to prove. What you could do is they can explain customer service. A lot of it's customer service options. Do they have phone numbers? Do they have online chats? You know, how many options are available to me? Customer service. And then again, look at customer reviews. Are people saying they have good customer service? That means a lot to people. Next one's time savings. Do they have metrics, proof points, infographics, case studies? Can they prove that their product or solution saves time? And then same thing, you know, how well are they proving it? So if it's a really like moderate stat, like kind of like not very good, well, you could say they're not proving it very well. But if they're having a detailed, you know, 10-page case study about how much time they save with all these maps and graphs, uh, might be a 10. They might be doing a pretty good job at it. Right. So that's that's that step. And Brett, you've already hinted at it. Now it's time for you guys to look at yourself. Now it's the time for you to look at your own website. And I have to make this distinction because it comes up every single time. It's not what you think. A lot of companies that come in and I know they have one of the highest quality products on the market. It all comes down to how you're proving it. So you have to look at your website as if you're the first time person arriving. Yeah, but you don't know anything about your own company, nothing at all. What do you see on your website that is typically what people find first to prove these things? And how well would you rank yourself? You know, on a scale from 1 to 10, how well are you proving it? So let's start with expertise. Look at your own website. How easy is it to find quote unquote expertise material? Can people find case studies? Can people find blogs quickly? You know, can they, can they find the information they need to prove you're an expert? Are there videos of you? Are there videos of you explaining things, right? Right. How are you proving it? Next thing's quality. How are you proving quality? Does your company have online reviews? If you don't, it can be hard to prove quality, especially if you're selling products. You know, do we have case studies? Do you have testimonials? Do those testimonials have a picture next to them? Is the testimonial so good? If someone's willing to put their face next to it, even better, do you have a video testimonial? Was somebody willing to you know, take the time to do a video claiming how awesome your product was? Right. Next, we got to go, again, you know, same process. We have price, location, variety. How well are you proving this? Discounts, ease of use. How well are you proving it? Do you, do you show anything showing how easy your product is to use? Ease of purchase, warranty, packaging customer service? Do you even talk about your customer service on your website? Is it even mentioned? Right? Time savings, again, brand appeal. How well does your website look in comparison to your competitors? So that becomes the conclusion of what I call the variables test. Okay. That's the variables and, and before we transition that, the one thing that kind of stood out as you're going through that and thinking 
just probably how it's changed in the last three or four years, right? Where customers used to be able to have a phone call with a prospect and talk them through your your services or the the quality of your product or the different features and varieties. But you know, the buyer today is they want to find this digitally online, like I said, through reviews, through you know, different sites. And you have to be able to tell your story without human intervention, right? Is that a, would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. So a lot of buyers, they want to, I mean, it's the whole phrase, they want to buy. They hate being sold. Yes. Right? yes. They hate it. Yeah. That's why people hate going to the most car dealerships because they feel like someone's just trying to sell them. And, but people want to buy. That's why, you know, even when you're buying a car, you do so much research before you even go. Exactly. You could, you know, pretty much remove like ninety percent of the different, you know, dealerships before you even go. So like, well, I did all this research, and you know, Honda's out, Ford's out, Chevy's out. You know, I'm looking at just like Mazda, right? You you know that even before you go, because you've already done so much research. Well, and to, to even take that a step further, when you think about, it, I mean, to buy a Mazda, depending on where you live, and you know, suburban or more of a metro area, you're going to have multiple Mazda. And so you're going to do um, an analysis against, you know, who would, who do I want to buy this from? And it's probably not going to be price. It's who's going to provide a better experience or gets me through the process quicker. That's right. That's right. So your website is all the talking to all the companies out there. If your website isn't proving anything, you're in trouble. You have to look at yourself. So in this exercise, especially the one where you're looking at your own website, you can kind of have you know, your own subjective look at it, right? You'd be like, oh, well, you know, it says it here because you already know. It takes somebody who doesn't, you know, a friend or family hasn't really looked at the website all that much, sit them down and go, hey, look at my website on a scale from one to 10. How well do you think I'm proving expertise? (laughs) And just see what they say, you know, see what their comments are or what their concerns are. And again, be as objective as you possibly can because this is what leads to the next step, the biggest step. Right. Because there's no value if you're not going to be honest about this, right? <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. Uh, you have to be honest. Makes so okay. then this variables test, you've just ranked your competition on all the variables. You've then ranked yourself. So if your target market wants expertise to be a 10, your competition's proving at a 10, and you're proving it at you ranked yourself a 5, that's what we call it. That's what I call a gap. We have a marketing gap. And that's something that your competitors can use against you. Right. So if there's ever they you know they call, they talk, they're like, oh well, I'm I'm looking between you and company B. They can go, oh well, you know, we're just we're more of an expert than them. You can just look at our help center to see it. And it's easy. They can just prove it right there. So it's called a gap. So now it's your job to then go for to your business and your marketing team and go, how can we close the gap or surpass it? Okay? How can we be better? And this is where we start to innovate. So if we're looking at just expertise. We start looking at, well, you know, our competition has three case studies. You know, maybe we should work on getting five. You know, they have a help center. You know, let's, how about you know, Q2 of this year, you know, quarter three, we started working on building a foundation to our own help center. Right? Now, this is immediately making your company and your marketing 
again, instead of just doing busy work, highly productive. Now you're, you're working towards goals now, all because you just did one competitor analysis. You're closing gaps. And this makes it useful, you know, please wrap your sales teams into this because now it tells your sales teams, hey, pretty quick, you know, once we close this gap, you can now start using that in your sales approach. Like, hey, you know, we're, we're an expert in the team. You know, we see all these new resources we've developed in the past month, right? So do that for all the variables, you know, expertise, quality, price, whatever's important to your target market. And if you rank lower than your competitors, you have to close the gap. What it'll do is it will literally build innovation. It will, it will spark ideas. So get your team involved, get your family involved, you know, get people to say, you know, how can we, you know, prove something? How can we, how can we just be different? What can we do to stand out? And this should be the fun part. It should be when you're like, you know what, this month we're going to work on, you know, rebranding. We're going to work on updating our logo. Now that's actually a variable we didn't look at. It's just design. How does your website look? In comparison to your competitors, trust me, it matters. It does. It 100% does. agree with you. And, I, and the thing I really love about this is, even though it seems like it's going to be a lot of work, but I mean, you want to grow your business, you're going to have to put type this type of foundational, you know, work into it in order to understand where and how you're going to invest, you know, future money, whether it's to bring you That's up right. to speed in certain gaps or accentuate the gap where you may have an advantage, you may double down into an, an area and really want to take ownership of, you know, one That's of right. those aspects. And, and two, and I know we're running out of time and Brandon, thank you very much for, you know, the value of this. And I'm sure people are pausing and going back to get a pencil. If they haven't, they need to go back and listen and uh, understand this. But I think from a startup business, you know, we talked a lot about, hey, I'm a business, my business is stalled or a small business, I'm growing, but now we're stalled. But if you're a startup or at a side hustle looking to start a business, I mean, here's your blueprint, right? Go take a look at the market. So I think it goes back to what we kind of talked about at the beginning is, hey, I think, you know, this is the the differentiator that I'm going after. Here's the problem I think I can solve. Either I had for myself, now I want to go solve it for others. Here's what the market I think it is. Go through this exercise between, you know, competition, customer, yourself. And then you may end up repositioning and allowing to, you know, better allocate resources up front versus, you know, kind of your point, everything to everybody. And then having to go through this exercise in two years when you've stalled, build it up front and, you know, take advantage of, you know, the, the time to do it, right? So I mean, I'm assuming this would be the same framework you would advise startups to go through as well. That's right. Okay. That's exactly right. Because this tells us, uh, sometimes you look at your competitors and you find out, you know, speaking with your target market that they really want a, a larger variety. Again, if you're looking for, you know, like clothing, you know, you have people are like, you know, jeans just don't fit me, right? They're never long enough. You could be the first person to be like, hey, we have a large variety. We offer sizes that no one else offers. And that's a huge selling point. Yeah. If no one else is making that claim, you can immediately hit the market with, we have sizes that no one else has. And immediately hit the market with something that's, that's not out there. Or if it is out there, it's not being marketed as well as you. Yeah, I think you know one of the things, one of the examples I thought about when you're talking about the clothing is, you know, there's a store, I'm assuming they have them in Nashville, Untuck It. Have you heard of this company? Mm-hmm. Basically, it's that's right. 
dress wear that, you know, are shorter so you can wear them untucked and still look good. And, you know, part of me is like, they've created an entire brand, an entire business about a shorter shirt, yet every one of these other dress shirt manufacturers couldn't figure out how to offer a variation of this. And I think that goes back to where you can gain a real competitive advantage out of this based on knowing your competition may not be able to make that shift as simple as it may seem to you and I that, you know, it's, it's well worth the effort of this. That's right. That's right. Again, think of it, the more you learn, the more money you're putting in your pocket. Like it's literally information that can change your company. So this entire process, again, there's a lot more to this. We just covered one segment of it. Right. Should take about two to three hours. Like really look at a competitor, really try to figure them out. You know, look at features and benefits. Uh, look at their distribution channels. Do a SWOT analysis. I mean, like really look at it and really be objective. And if there's ever a gap, figure out how can we close it? How can we be innovative? Makes because perfect sense. Just, just, just any this is why I, I wanted can... you back on, Brandon. We needed to go <laughs> to the next step. We looked at product market fit, but people weren't leveraging it or, or taking advantage of it. And you know, I think this is so helpful. And I think a lot of times people look at a competitive analysis just as uh, not foundational, right? It's more opportunistic. And you know, you've opened my eyes to the the power and value. And I use this for a similar process to you know customers I work with, at least to challenge, right? Challenge the assumptions, challenge what they're thinking. You know, tell me why you're different, and not just to your point what you see on your own website because you've lived it for two, five, ten years. That's right but truly from an objective standpoint. So, so valuable. Again, Brandon, thank you. I appreciate the time. Is there, do you think anything else you wanted to to cover on this topic before we wrap it up? Probably just my last closing statement would be just be honest with yourself. And whenever you find something that a competitor is better at, it should be a good thing. If you figured out something that they probably haven't even figured out themselves, and it gives you an opportunity to then be to be different. So the outcome of this, you should figure out what is my one thing that's going to make me different? What's the one thing of all the competitors that I'm going to really stick to and I'm going to market the most? And that's it. something that should be like the header of your website. Like we offer the largest variety or we offer the quickest blah, blah, blah. It should be a statement. And that statement should literally be the foundation for all your marketing. All of your marketing materials need to point to that one statement or a couple's different statements, right? But you got to be the best at something. You have to be. If you're not, you're, again, back to that pricing discussion. It's a race to the bottom. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And please, please, please stop listing your features and benefits as the, the your primary go-to-market messaging because... You know, okay, if, if Brandon hasn't made that clear, customers don't care, right? They want to know the problem that you're solving and, and how you're doing it, not that you have right now. If their number one problem is variety, then absolutely talk about it. But like I said, I think the days of features and benefits and pricing as your differentiator are, you know, what slim and none. Um, there may be that yeah. rare snowflake out there, but probably not. Yeah. Yeah. People want to work with good companies this day and age they just do there's so many options out there they want to work with somebody actually like and it trust me if you're going through this process you've taken pen and paper out and you're going through this right now you're a good company you're actually trying to make yourself better now you can now you can actually start proving it to people i am trying to be better i am trying to be the best in the market i am trying to raise the industry standard and people will appreciate it they will see it they will love it just keep it going awesome 
and you're doing this one company at a time and now maybe you can <laughs> yes, reach right. quite a few more. But, you know, I just think this message is so important and, you know, get into tactics and everything else, but you can have all the tactics in the world, make investments and technology. But if you don't get the, this, which I truly believe is the foundational aspect, you know, you're not going to be efficient with your spend, your time, you know, your optimization, all the other buzzwords we want to throw so uh, <laughs> throw out there. So, That's right. So Brandon, in closing, what is the best place uh, for people to find you if they're looking for more information or want to work with you? What's, uh, what's the best way to, to connect with you? On LinkedIn daily. So you can always find me on LinkedIn, Brandon Mateka. There's not very many of, of Brandon Matekas out there, so I'm pretty easy to find. And again, I'll, I'll put my phone number out there. If, you, if you're really in need, you're really struggling, you're really hurting in your business, please just call me. I'm always a phone call away. I'm always here to help. So that phone number is 815-997-4882. Again, if you're hurting, you need help, please call me. I will help you. Don't hesitate, folks, because he actually will pick up the phone. So, <laughs> yeah, I Brandon, do. thank you again for the time. And, you know, we'll have to come back for round three once folks get through this. We'll just make this a foundational uh, aspect to the program. Sounds great. I'd love to come back. All right, Brandon, have a great rest of your day. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brad. All right, take care. Yep, bye. You've been listening to Hardwired for Growth. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit brettrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T, followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R.com. Mm-hmm.